Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. With that, um, Jana, would you come? Jana's going to be continuing on in the series Summer Mixtape. And Jana is incredibly nice. Thank you, Tyson. That was a really nice introduction for me. All right. Well, first of all, um, my husband on the way in said I need to tell everybody how awesome he is and how great he is and just all that stuff. So I'm fulfilling that duty there. (laughs) And also, uh, last time when he spoke, he was talking about me having DZs, but my awesome cousin actually had them here, so we got to share them. A lot of the kids didn't like them, but good job. If you didn't catch that, you need to go back and listen to his message. But. So today, I'm going to talk about uh, oxygen. You need oxygen. And um, so I'm a registered nurse, and a few years ago, around 2015, I was working on a surgery unit, and I had an encounter with a patient. It was quite interesting, so I was like, I need to write this down. And uh, so then when I was asked to speak, this encounter kept coming up in my mind. And so I was like, okay, I don't know why. So I went back and I read through the encounter, and I was just like, okay, Lord, what do you want to speak through or use this for? So. This is kind of what I got. So um, I was taking care of a, he was a 40-something year old patient, and he was in the hospital with chronic lung issues. I don't exactly know, remember what he had, but um, he was in the hospital because his oxygen level kept going down below 90. And um, it's very important to keep your oxygen level above 90 because, If it goes below 90, then the rest of your organs aren't getting the oxygen it needs to function properly. And if this happens, or kept this way for a prolonged time, it can cause damage. And and depending on how decreased the oxygen and how long, or it can take minutes, right? And your organs start shutting down and eventually there'll be death, right? So while monitoring oxygen levels, we RNs like to get, we get a little concerned when your oxygen goes below 90. Um, So we do things like give you oxygen, or we turn the oxygen up, or we do a little jaw thrust on you, or we start to yell at you, like breathe. So, um, but his oxygen level would go down to like low 80s, even the 70s, uh, while he was walking around. So he obviously uh, qualified for home oxygen, was when you go home with oxygen and you have it constantly. Um, but it was later in the evening, so he was going to have to stay another night so the next morning we could set him up so he could go home with home oxygen. But he did not want to stay another night. Um, he, and he said he was just going to refuse the home oxygen anyway, so he just wanted to, he just wanted to leave. Um, and so patients are allowed to leave the hospital. We don't keep them there for, if they're against their will. Um, but he needed to sign a document uh, stating that he was going to leave against medical advice. So before he signs this document, we're going to go over the risks and the benefits of having the home oxygen and making sure he's making an informed decision. Um, 
So the patient's argument was, he knows his body. He would say, I know my oxygen level goes down to 70 when I'm walking around. I just have to sit down and then it goes back up. And um, he's like, my body's able to recover. I'm fine. And he's like, I'm even able to play soccer. Not quite as long or quite as good as I used to play, but I can play. Um, and yeah, he knows his body. That was his, his line, I know my body. And I asked him, so if you know your oxygen level goes down and you can actually feel it, wouldn't you wanna have some oxygen supply? Um, so you don't have to sit down, so you can keep going? Um, and he said, or and I said, uh, you realize you are causing damage to your organs. The more you uh, deprive them of oxygen, the more you're gonna damage your, your, uh, your body. Um, and even though you're able to bounce back now, it's gonna get harder and harder. The more damage you do, it's gonna get harder and harder. But he continued to say, nope, I know my body, it's fine. Uh, he also said, I've had the home oxygen people come to my house and they said, if you don't get home oxygen in two years, you're gonna be dead. And that was over two years ago. So I'm fine as he's sitting in the hospital with me. Uh, he said, well, the only major issue is when I get sick, then I have to come to the hospital. But I only stay for a few days, usually about, around a week. It's not a big deal. So then I said, well, wouldn't you want oxygen for just for those times even? So you don't have to come into the hospital? But he's like, no, I don't get sick that often and I just can come to the hospital. So doesn't this seem unwise to you? Like, if you have a hard time breathing to the point where you have to stop and catch your breath, you have to sit down, wouldn't you wanna get help? Everybody knows that feeling, that feeling when you can't breathe, when you need to catch your breath, when you need that breath of fresh, fresh air. Imagine this happening all the time and you have to sit down and you, you, you can't do anything and you're still refusing. Maybe the reason is he didn't want the oxygen tubing on his face, because it's visible, or carrying the machine around. It's a sign of weakness, maybe, and it shows that there's something wrong with him. Or it can seem like a hindrance. He's not able to do the things that he wants to do. He can't just live a normal life, and that's all he wants to do, is just live a normal life. But if this is the case, it's his pride that is hindering him. It's causing him more harm than the lack of oxygen. If he's not willing to accept the help, to accept what's going on in his life, he's making, a much, he's making his life much harder and he will eventually die sooner. So I just kept thinking, don't you see that the oxygen is gonna be better for you? It's gonna make your life easier. And I also think about his family. Doesn't he see that Getting the help will allow him to actually keep going, to keep moving, to participate in the things that his family wants him to participate in and he doesn't have to get so tired so soon. In Proverbs 13 verse 10, it says, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And Proverbs 26 verse 12, it says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. 
I think a lot of people, especially a lot of Christians, live life like this. We know or we have been offered what gives us life and we, re we, we refuse. We want to live life how we want to live it, and even though, we're even though we're struggling. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to struggle. I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to give you a better life. So today I want to go over the benefits of having Jesus in your life, so before you leave here today, you can make an informed decision. I'm going to go straight to the Bible to see what it says about breath and life. There's quite a few verses, so hang tight here. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. In Job 33, verse 4, it says, For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. John 20, verse 19 to 22, and this is when Jesus appears to his disciples. He said, Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. John 5, verse 12, it says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for the sins, but they have already passed from death into life. John 11, verse 25 says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. And John 10, 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you guys, Jesus is our oxygen. He has given us life. He is the life-giving source, and it is available for everyone. And guess what? You qualify for it because you are broken, and you are a sinner, and you can't fix it on your own. You qualify for this Jesus home oxygen because without it, you will die. If you are feeling hopeless, alone, tired, empty, or like you're suffocating and you need a breath, there is hope for you. In Ezekiel 37, verse 4 to 14, the, the Bible's talking, this is about the, the valley of the dry bones. It says, When he said to me, and this is God speaking to Ezekiel, speak a, a prophetic message to the bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover the, you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the body. Then skin formed and to cover the bodies, but still they had no breath in them. Then Jesus said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. 
So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and the breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them, saying, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open up your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When, when this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Isn't that exciting? Dry bones coming to life. And in verse 9, the Sovereign Lord says, Come, breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bones as they come alive. You guys, when you accept Jesus, this is what happens. You become alive. He gives you life, and he gives it to you forever. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's all you have to do. You have to believe in Jesus. And church, the Lord wants to breathe a new life into you. He can restore what's dead, what has been damaged, and give you new life. That's exactly what Ezekiel is actually talking about. He's talking about the bones that represent the people's spiritually dead condition. So we know where to get life from. We know that we need oxygen, which is Jesus, to keep us healthy and alive. But just like the patient, we also say we know our bodies. It's my life. We only seek him when we're feeling low or weak, tired and sick. And like the patient, he knows he can just go to the hospital when he's sick. People come to church only when they're sick. And this is good. We want people to come to church when you're sick. Maybe not throwing up. But this is the place to be. If you're weak and you're tired and you're feeling hopeless, angry, confused, struggling in an area in your life, church is the perfect place to be. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But just like it's not wise for the patient to refuse help to keep and keep allowing his oxygen to get low, it's not wise for you to deny your spiritual life the oxygen it needs to stay healthy. But sometimes we expect that high every time. We think it's better if we let our oxygen level get so low. So when we get that relief, when we get that oxygen, when we get that burst of Jesus, we can actually feel it. We know something's happened instead of having that steady supply, which kind of seems mundane, boring, just another Sunday feeling. Or sometimes we get life, we let life get in the way. We know our bodies, it's our life. I need a day for my family. We don't want to overbook ourselves. My child enjoys this sport so much. It's just a season. You fill in the blanks. Unfortunately, what we're doing is slowly doing damage to ourselves. Just like the patient was able to bounce back, now 
the more he denies the oxygen, the more he does damage to himself. It's just going to get harder and harder for him to bounce back. And that's just like our relationship with Jesus. I saw this post on an Instagram feed, and actually Pastor Len said something very similar to it when he was here. It said, I hear people say I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. You don't have to go home to be, but you also don't have to be, go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. We are, the, we are part of a body of Christ. He is the head, he is the life giver, the breath taker, and he makes sure that we get the life oxygen that we need to function. Romans 12, verse 4 to 5. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. But just like a physical body, if you disconnect a part, if you restrict the oxygenated blood flow to a part, it will not be healthy. Just like, just think about putting a rubber band on your finger. It's soon it's going to turn purple, it's going to get really painful, and until you take that rubber band off, it's, it's not going to get healthy. It's kind of weird to think of the church as a body, but God kind of gave me this picture. So throughout the week, the body of Christ, aka the church, has been stretched throughout the city. As individuals, we are reaching the people. We are being the influencers in the place that God has us in our individual lives. But on Sunday, the body has time to relax. It comes together in one room to be whole together, to breathe together, to be refreshed by his breath again, to have a new word, to fill our lungs with his oxygen so we have the strength to go out for the next week ahead. This is why it's important to come, to be a part of church, to worship together with your fellow believers. I'm like Pastor Travis and Amy. I don't like missing church. I walk through those doors and I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do? And I find it exciting because who knows what's going to happen. And I pray every Sunday that as you guys walk through those doors, that the spirit of, of God is so heavy in this place, like it's almost tangible, and you can just feel like God is here. If you want healing, if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a healthy family, you want healthy relationships, you want energy, if you want to be able to be pushed past what you seem to get stuck on so many times over and over again, you need to stop cutting off the oxygen supply. You need to get connected to the body. That will give you life and the, the life-giving oxygen that you need. And just like you're sitting here now, relaxing, your body is still moving. Your heart is pumping, your lungs are moving, your eyes are taking in the surroundings, your mind is working, your muscles are keeping you from falling down or maybe keeping you from falling asleep. And every cell in your body is working. You guys, to be alive, is moving no matter how subtle it is and just like the body of Christ it is always moving but its movement is in the form of serving again to circ to circulate the life-giving oxygen 
the body must move. And for the church, it's in the form of serving. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve each other. And Ephesians 4, verse 16, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So what does this look like? I like to give some practical advice. Get involved in your local church. Join the team. If you like meeting people, join the greeting team. If you like to make coffee, join the coffee team. Come early to set up chairs, stay late to take the chairs down, and we always have room on the janitorial team. Or just start coming to pre-service prayer and pray. You guys, the Holy Spirit is going to meet you there and he's going to tell you what he wants you to do next. The function of the body is to be connected and to work together to circulate that life-giving oxygen. If you are lacking in your life, come, move, receive what God has for you, pour out what God has given you, release the restraints and get connected to what is going to give you life. So here are the things to consider to make your informed decision on how you want to live life after you live here today. Jesus is here to give you life and to live forever, even after death. Jesus wants to be first in your life, to give you a better life, a life that is full of wisdom and his strength, to help you get through the struggles and the hard times in your life so you don't have to do it on your own. And this is available for you today. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart and you need to take that first breath of life, I invite you to come and do that today. We have people that would love to pray with you. And if you are struggling and you feel like your Jesus oxygen is lower or you've been cutting off that oxygen supply in an area of your life, please come. We would love to pray with you. But just know that you do not have to leave this place without help or without taking that breath of fresh air. Thanks, Jana. You know, there's something I really enjoy about Jana when she shares. It's, it's almost, she, she's got a radio voice. You notice that? It's very soothing, very calming, and, uh, and very sincere. Can we just camp out for one moment on something that Jana shared? She shared the verse from uh, John uh, chapter 22, verse 20. Sound right? Where it says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if, if you could just permit me this morning as the pastor of our church to point out something I see all the time in church people. It's that we come with the understanding that God does want to give us something. But we often are unwilling to receive the thing he's given fully. And I want you to, to know this morning, think, think on this. Think in your physical mind, your intellect, and think about this in your heart, and think about in this, 
Think about this in your spirit, all three parts of who you are. Those things that God gives us completely and freely, in order for them to be fully what they are, must then also be received freely and wholly, totally. Oftentimes what we do in the presence of God is we come and we say, well, this is my need, Lord. And God says, I want to do more than meet your need. But we sit there with a closed mouth refusing to breathe in the thing that he has freely given to us. And I think this is why the church and many people in it can stay lethargic and only half full of life with mediocre levels of energy just because we never truly receive freely that which was given so freely. The song we're going to close with today, Jesus, We Love You, in the bridge says, our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. And that's a powerful image because it's the image of Mary coming and pouring out the expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. But have you ever considered what was given in advance of that? And even today, what's given in advance of us pouring out our, our love, our affection, our praise on the feet of Jesus? Can we just stop and remember this morning that it is because of what he has freely poured out, what he's lavished upon us. His love, his affection, his devotion has been poured out freely on each one of us. And that's why we in turn pour it out on his feet. If Jesus says, I'm going to breathe on you, receive the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand this morning, you can't do it unless you're willing to breathe in. Just do this with me right now. Everyone take a deep breath. I mean, empty your lungs all the way out and just take a big breath with me. Here we go. One, two, three. And you can hold that for a while, can't you? Now I want you to breathe all the way out. Don't breathe in. Hold it. Hold it. Don't breathe in. <clears throat> Anyone starting to feel lightheaded yet? Don't breathe in. You feel the panic rising? Your physical body starting to say, this is not working for me. But don't breathe in. Keep going. Don't breathe in. Now I'll be able to tell everybody, everybody at church fell over today. Not because the Spirit of God was moving, just because we were what? We wouldn't breathe in. Tell me, in your experience from this little experiment, what's easier to do? Is it either breathe in and hold it, or breathe out and hold it? It's far easier to breathe in and hold it, isn't it? And guys, that's how God's kingdom, that's how the body of Christ works. We come to church and we breathe in everything that God has for us because that which is freely given must be freely received. And we go out into the world and we breathe what God has birthed in us, what God has put in us, everything that God has invested in us. We breathe that back out on the people we work with, on our family members, on complete strangers sometimes, but we breathe the goodness of God out. Then we come back to church. We come back into his presence. We come back into fellowship with other believers where we must breathe in. What is freely given, what is totally given, what is lavishly given must be received in the same way for you to get all of it. So this morning, maybe as we sing this last song, you need to alter your thinking on how you respond to what Jesus says to you. 
Don't receive what he has for you in part. Receive it in the whole. Receive it in the way that he intended for you to receive it. Let's all stand. We're going to sing this last song. If you would like prayer this morning, as Jana has already said, please come forward. Don't leave this place the same way that you came today. Would you bow your heads right now? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that even just gathering to read your word has the power to change lives. But Lord, today, as you have so freely given to us, my prayer for our church family, and even those visiting, Lord, even those watching online, is that we would in this moment be able to freely breathe in all that you have so freely given to us. Lord, not in part, but in its entirety, in everything that you intended in giving us your Holy Spirit, in everything that you have intended in giving us your freedom, in everything you have intended, Lord, in in wanting us, desiring us to walk in a spirit of liberty. Lord, this morning my prayer is that we would, without question, without hesitation, gasp in great gulps of air. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.